Hey, welcome to Durban, South Africa and my little closet studio here. This is the place I verbalize all the things that have run through my head for a while. Things that sometimes I've been afraid to voice outside of this little closet. But today I want to steal, for lack of a better word, the idea of sacraments from the institutionalized church. Do the sacraments have to be a thing that only the church is allowed to impart? Are there only a few sacraments? Or can I have, like, my own personal sacraments? Welcome to Deeply Spiritual, but Rather Uncertain. A few days ago, I was listening to a Richard Rohr podcast. He was talking about the disruption of COVID-19, and he used the word sacrament. It got my head spinning around this idea, and I don't even know if I listened to the rest of the podcast, even though it continued to play. But the idea of seeing disruption in my life as a sacrament was intriguing. I grew up in an evangelical church, and the word sacrament was rarely used, if ever. I only heard that much later in life. But even though evangelicals don't use the word often, we do have two main sacraments in the church, baptism and communion. If you grew up in a Catholic or in an Orthodox church, you know much more about the idea of sacrament. There are seven of them in both of those forms of Christianity, besides baptism and communion that they call the Holy Eucharist. There's confirmation, marriage, reconciliation, or sometimes we call it confession, holy orders, which is like ordination, and anointing the sick. Basically, a sacrament is a physical action that imparts divine grace. St. Augustine of Hippo defined it this way, It's an outward sign of an inward grace. I like that. I read this explanation of sacrament on an Orthodox website. Not only do the sacraments disclose and reveal God to us, it says, but they also serve to make us receptive to God. The church, whether Protestant or other, has been pretty prescriptive about what a sacrament is and who can administer that particular sacrament and in what context. But what if we took a broader view of this idea of sacrament? What if there were other things, physical and material things, that impart divine grace into our lives? What if there are other things that revealed God to us and made us more receptive to his grace? I think there probably are. I did uh, a sermon a number of years ago about communion, and I called it the thing behind the thing. What if we looked for the thing behind the thing behind the thing when it comes to disruption? What if disruption is a sacrament 
imparting God's divine grace into our lives. And I'm not just talking about like seeing the silver lining in the clouds. I'm talking about real change that comes about because of divine grace. I was going to say, I'm not suggesting that we go looking for disruption because it finds us. But the truth is, there are times we go looking for it. Every parent that decides it's time to have children is inviting disruption into their lives. And they don't do it once. They do it again and again, sometimes again. Every person that leaves a job for a better job or to start their own business, bringing disruption into their lives and into the lives of their families. Every time a person moves cities or countries, they are bringing disruption upon their lives. We all know that in times of disruption, we have the choice to let it change us, or to let us steal a bit of who we are. There's plenty of disruption in this world that we don't bring on ourselves. The sudden loss of someone we love, the loss of a job that we weren't planning. Certainly the coronavirus that we are currently living through has disrupted the entire world. We all know by now that what was normal in our world is gone. There is a new normal that we are living in and a new normal that extends beyond this crisis. Some of the new normal will be very difficult. Some have lost jobs and the companies that they work for won't exist in the new normal. Some have lost family and friends. But this new normal is doing something strangely beautiful. We are connecting to people differently, and it seems to be a bit deeper than before, even though we can't be in their presence. People are calling people just to see how they are. Staff meetings don't start with the bottom line. They start with, how are you? How are you coping? Could those changes be divine grace? We've heard stories of waterways that are clean again, of pollution that is gone, of the earth having a chance to reset just a little bit. Is that divine grace? Many of us have been forced to slow down, to spend more time with our family, to have dinner together, just to be. Isn't that divine grace? What I realize about sacraments is that they have no special power within themselves. The power in them or the grace in them comes as I engage in them. Let's take communion, for example. I've been going to church since just a few days after I was born. In most evangelical churches, all the churches I went to, communion happens once a month. And so I've taken communion a lot of times in 66 years. At times, it's just been a ritual and it means very little. But other times, as I engage, as I lean into it, it becomes very meaningful. The truth is, I get out of it 
what I put into it. The more I engage in the sacrament, the more divine grace that I find. My life has been filled with disruption over this past year. One thing after the other. Am I willing to see that disruption as sacramental? Am I willing to engage with the disruption to let it impart divine grace into my life? So all this has been running around my head for a few days, and I told a friend about it over Zoom, and he asked me, if this disruption is sacramental, then are there things I'm doing personally to actually lean into it? What a great question, because it takes it out of the theoretical and it makes it personal. It takes it out of the abstract and into the moment. It's about finding the thing behind the thing. It's about how do I actually engage with the disruption so that it imparts divine grace into my life. And it got me thinking, if the church has these sacraments, why can't we as individuals have our own sacraments? Are there things or activities in your life that are sacramental, things that impart divine grace, things that are the thing behind the thing? For those of you that know the Enneagram, I am a seven. If you don't know what the heck I'm talking about, that's okay. One of these days, I'll do a podcast or two about it. But for those of us that are Enneagram 7s, our virtue, or the best version of ourselves, is represented by sobriety. And this word is used in a, in a very broad sense. It doesn't just mean that the best version of the 7 is when they're not drunk, although that's a good start, but it's about calmness and about wisdom and it's about resilience. So the questions I've been asking myself is, are there things or actions that lead me to the best version of me that I can possibly be? Because if there are, wouldn't that be divine grace? Those things would be the things that I could call, I guess, my own personal sacraments. What would your personal sacraments be? What would be the things that lead you to be the best version of yourselves? The things that ground you and center you. The things that impart divine grace into your life. I really believe that for each of us, this will look different because we are each so unique and we are in different places in our lives. There's no one size fits all here. And I would say it's not necessarily even a Christian thing. This is a human thing. This is true for all of us, no matter what our particular belief system is. As I've been thinking through what my personal sacraments might be, I felt a little guilty because the standard things are not on the list. 
The things that I always thought are supposed to be on the list aren't. For example, all of my life I have been taught, and I have taught, that a traditional quiet time should be on the list. Now, for those of you that are not versed in evangelical Christianese, a quiet time is reading your Bible and praying, speaking to God. When I was young, we used to call it devotion. Sometimes people these days talk about spending time with God or spending time in the Word. I've come to believe that for many of us, The traditional quiet time is not sacramental in our lives. It's just a chore we do or a duty we perform, but it doesn't actually impart divine grace. Now, if it works for you, that's fantastic. Put it on your list of personal sacraments. I love it. But for me, and I'm sure for many others, the traditional quiet time doesn't seem to cut it. And so reading the Bible and praying in the traditional way isn't imparting divine grace. Okay, now that I've already committed heresy, I might as well go on. Because the other thing that one would think should be on my list and might be on many of yours is worship. Specifically, using music to worship God. For years, I was employed as a worship leader. Every Sunday, I would stand in front of a group of people and lead them in singing their worship to God. I loved it. It was deeply meaningful to me. But when I look at the things that I would consider personally sacramental in my life right now, worship isn't on the list. Okay, so just in case I've lost you completely, let me get you back in my train of thought. I see disruption in our lives as having great potential of being sacramental if we lean into it. But how do I lean into it? What's the thing behind the thing? I'm coming to believe that these things are my personal sacrament. Now, I've come up with four of them for me. They are... Mindful meditation, reflection slash journaling, exercise, and study. Mindful meditation, reflection slash journaling, exercise, and study. So let me briefly unpack these and tell you how I came up with this list. As a seven on the Enneagram, I am a very anxious person. It's been true all of my life. I've only just really come to understand it lately, probably because I've gotten a lot worse as I've gotten older, and studying the Enneagram has helped me understand so much more about myself. Having lived in South Africa for 30 years, we made a lot of international flights back and forth between here and the States. And for many years, we did that with three children in tow. My family will tell you, how grumpy I was on those flights, especially when things didn't go well. It was just my anxiety out of control. Even when I fly by myself, I'm anxious. I'm not afraid we're going to crash or anything like that. I'm anxious about all the details. A few years ago, Sheila and I were flying through Dubai. 
And somehow we got separated in the Dubai airport. Now, if you've ever been there, you know how massive it is. And every space is like a replica of the space before. So you never know if you're in the right place or not. We both had phones on us, but neither had international roaming, so we couldn't call each other. We're just wandering around looking for each other. And I promise you, I thought I was going to have a panic attack right there. But we eventually managed to find each other and all was fine. But what I've come to realize is that my anxiety keeps me from being the best version of myself that I can be. Or to say that a little more traditionally, my anxiety can keep me from being the person that God has created me to be. Another thing I've discovered about myself through the Enneagram is that I struggle to be present in the moment. My mind is always looking forward to the next thing, the the next adventure, the next project. I am learning that mindful meditation helps me not only to let go of my anxiety, but also to be present in the moment. See, I'm learning that God is in the moment. The presence of God is here. It's not out there somewhere. The practice of mindful meditation puts me in the moment to know and experience God. It's a form of prayer, but not the traditional form of talking to God. It's much more about listening. It's much more about being. The second thing on my list are times of reflection that I usually do with my journal. By the way, my journal is on my computer, so I do my reflecting with the computer in my lap. But to look back on my day or my week and to see where God was at work is sacramental for me. And then by typing while I'm reflecting, it's just a way to keep me focused and to keep my mind in the present and not running out ahead of the moment. The reflection time almost always includes a time to be grateful for the gifts of the previous day or the previous week, which are so, it's just such important work for me. Sometimes I go back and I read through my journal just to remind myself that God is at work and to remind myself of how much I actually have to be thankful for. The third thing on my list is exercise. I am not athletic I am far from it. I I played Little League Baseball when I was a kid, and I had a lifetime batting average of zero. I never got a hit, ever. Today I play golf, and my handicap is pretty much the max that the people that I'm playing with will allow me to have. I am not athletic. But I do try to stay relatively fit because I want to live long enough to see my grandkids get married. But I also realize that exercise grounds me. It centers me. It keeps me in the moment. Plus, everybody knows that physical exercise is one of the best ways out there to combat anxiety and fear. There is no question that exercise imparts divine grace into my life. 
Then lastly on my list is study. I love to study theology and concepts of God as well as other things, so I read a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. It's obviously where this podcast even comes from. This thing pushes me to sit down and put some of my thinking on paper, but at the same time, it grounds me. It breathes life into me. A number of years ago, there was a very popular and I think helpful tool that would enable you to see the way you best connect with God. Is it by serving others? Or is it by contemplation? Or aesthetic beauty? According to this program by Gary Thomas, there were nine different pathways that we used to connect with God. My primary pathway, it turned out, was study. Some call it the intellectual pathway, but I don't consider myself an intellectual at all. But I, so I find study a better word, but it is sacramental in my life. And in so many ways, these podcasts are just an outflowing of that. I love the idea of looking at these four things in my life as sacramental rather than as disciplines or duties. Because to me, sacrament is about the why. It's about getting to the motivation and not just the behavior. It's about getting to the roots and not just the fruit. So what's going on in your life at the moment? If you're listening to this pretty close to when I'm releasing it, you may be experiencing major disruption because of the coronavirus. Two-thirds of the world are in some form of lockdown as I speak. Or maybe it's later and you've come through all this craziness. But understand, disruption is a regular activity of life that usually leads us to some kind of a new normal. It happens over and over and over again. Disruption has the capacity to destroy us or to impart divine grace as we lean in. What are the sacraments that you need to lean into in your life? What are the things that impart divine grace? What are the things that help you experience God? I hope that this in some way has been helpful for you as you journey through your own reality, whatever that looks like. Don't forget to check out my Patreon page if you're at all interested in supporting this cause. You can find me at www.patreon.com forward slash Skip Collins. There is a link in the show notes. You can also find me on all kinds of social media platforms. So I'd love to hang out with you there. So until the next time, Shalom. Shalom.